Hello and a warm welcome to this week's edition of Day Unplugged. It's Tuesday the 15th of December 2020. Mark Penders stateside and I'm Jeremy Hawkins here in London. Well it's a big week for central banks full announcements from the FE, Swiss National Bank, Bank of England and the Bank of Japan all scheduled over the next few days. Not too much may be expected from most but in today's economically, politically and of course COVID-19 challenge times nothing should be taken for granted. Anyway first on the rank is the FOMC. So Mr Pender. Mm-hmm. Yes. Any changes to rates or monthly QE purchases expected? And regards to the latter, there's been some talk of the Fed perhaps shifting quantitative easing purchases further along the curve. What do you think about that? I think that that's a possibility uh, for next year. Or, or if um, that's a possibility, the um, the shifting to the longer uh, and uh, if um, the uh, uh Mm, the pan, the post-pandemic. That's not quite the economy that we're looking at. What is it? We're, the post, the vaccine-initiated economy. If that doesn't start to pick up, I think that that's what we can consider uh, the, the most likely um, uh, policy move. Uh, but that's not going to happen, I don't think, tomorrow. Uh, today's Tuesday, and tomorrow's the FOMC announcement. I don't think that's going to happen at all tomorrow. I think that they're going to try to uh, maybe even wish that they hadn't. Uh, schedule the press conference for every single meeting. Mm. Maybe they should just consider. Well, we'll only have them when they're, you know, when we want to have them. All right. But but now they're forced to have a press conference, so that's going to be 45 minutes of, of of questions. And and sometimes, uh, that you know, uh, he, uh, uh Powell can be uh says things that uh, maybe he wouldn't uh had have uh, wanted to have said like, um. It was, I guess, back was at the meeting in um, in September. It might have been uh, uh, that he started talking about the possibility that they were talking about in the meeting, debating um, what they might do next for QE. And uh, so he said that he, they might be uh, looking at the composition, uh, which would be uh, Treasuries and mortgage-backed securities, uh, between those two, uh, presumably. And um, and also aware along the curve that they might be concentrating. So uh, and uh, that was like a later question in, in a 45 minute uh, or so um, press conference. So we you really don't know what he's going to say, but he's going to be very careful about anything political and about anything about the election. And he's going to say hopeful things about the vaccination. But remember, he's pushing for masks. So he's going to continue to push for masks, which here in the U.S. is a political statement. Yeah. Is, I assume no chance of any any move actually on quick QE itself in terms of quantities of purchases. No, I don't think so. It's pretty much, um, you know, uh, full bore. And uh, so I don't think that the, the, he doesn't. I don't think they want to make any headlines. I imagine that the text of the report is going to be very very similar. That we'll right. we'll be mentioning mentioning vax, uh, uh, promise with the vaccine for sure. But remember, you know, this is where they. Uh, what, what do you think the medium term is, Jeremy? I mean. Uh, I'm not sure I know what the medium term is. I know the near term is like pretty close and the long term is what it can say we're all dead anyway. But what is the medium term? So, uh, you know, Powell was saying, well, in the medium term, the vaccination effects are unclear. So what is that? 
six months what, 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 guess, yeah i think i mean to me six months is 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 round about the medium term i think certainly from a market perspective they're kind of looking through what's happening now at least they seem to be because the covid numbers for so much of the world at the moment are still pretty horrible let's be honest so they seem to be just looking through that and thinking well look this virus will virus this um vaccine will be rolled out next year so by the time we get into say late spring all being well because there's so much money sloshing around the economy could actually be doing quite well but of course uh-huh. who knows uh-huh. well let me ask you about now well, Actually, before, yeah, just, just before oh. we move can i ask you a quick okay. one so just yeah. on the F- on the fomc uh-huh. um talking about you know whether they're going to be doing this or not i noticed this i thought i saw somewhere something about the uh, the chart package will be including some new diagrams highlighting yes. the risks so yes. what we're is that doing the about? dot plots we're, yeah well it's going to be a about? quarterly it's going to be the, the the quarterly um you know, economic uh, forecasts are going to be published, and it'll be interesting to see how they go. Uh, it'll be interesting that we're, they're going to re- uh, concentrate again. Powell, over the last couple of years, has pulled back from the importance of the um, of the uh, of, of the projections, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. And uh, you know, it, it generates questions in the. Uh, um, you know, uh, at the press conference, as uh, as the questioners try to figure out wh- who who is responsible for what, um, so I it'll it'll you know I think it'll be uh, of some interest. Uh, it'll I'm not sure that it's going to be market moving at all, um, but it does mark a shift uh, away from uh, uh, from you know de-emphasizing the importance of of these projections, and they used to be very very important. And uh, they uh, and I guess they're rising in estimations now. And I guess they're going to be important if we can get a handle uh, where the economy is. Um, it's still struggling. It depends on what kind of numbers you're looking at. But today we had industrial production here in the U.S. and it showed improvement. It showed surprising improvement for. Uh, Aircraft, they're only down uh, 0.9% volumes are only down from the pre-pandemic February comparison, which is pretty good. But overall, it's still uh, overall industrial production reflecting a big contraction of mining where you're really seeing a COVID effect because of things like um, uh, person, not only demand for energy, but uh, how – you know the proximity of, of of people working in the mining industry. So that's down almost 13 percent since um, since February. So uh, there's still a lot of questions on the economy, and uh, so there's a lot of unknowns. There's always unknowns with these economic projections, w- which raises the question of, uh, of their usefulness. And now with with the, the, these COVID effects, it really exaggerates. Um, that that uh, that separation or that uh, factor that that mystery factor. So it'll be interesting to see. It'll give us something to write about. <laughs> Indeed. Um, oh, so else? let me ask you about yeah. QE. And oh, let me ask you about the Bank of England now. I mean, what's up with that? Because uh, no one knows. Are they gonna, they're not going to have any headlines. Uh, to, uh, Get a handle on anything by it, the meeting is Thursday, uh, by Thursday, right? This is, goes. This is going to drag on through Christmas, right, right up to Christmas Eve. No, 
Well, okay, I, I would I would guess you are talking about Brexit. Um, yes, I mean, strictly speaking, since the bank eased and by more than expected at their November meeting, so I'm only talking a few weeks ago now, this week should have been a very straightforward call. And um, certainly go back a few days, you could ask anyone what's going to happen on Thursday when they make their announcement. It was, oh, no, they won't do anything. They've only just eased. I, you know, see what happens. However, um, Brexit, the dreaded Brexit word, is something which is ongoing. Now, when we spoke, I think, on the subject last week, um, it had been suggested that Sunday would be the new final, final deadline. And certainly that was the uh, message coming out of uh, Downing Street anyway. And if nothing had been agreed or sorted by then, then that's it. Brexit is all done. No deal and get on with it. Well, it seems that both sides are still determined to come out with something. So as we record this podcast on where are we, Tuesday the 15th, it is unclear um, when the final, final, final deadline is going to be. Bar the fact they can't really go beyond the 31st of December because both sides are still, at least at the moment, saying that the transition period won't be extended. Now, um, as of this moment, there have been some vaguely promising noises coming out to the effect that they've made some progress on this so-called level playing field, which really refers to you know, sort of the standards of trade used in the um, in the single European market being applied to UK trade as well. So the UK doesn't get any kind of competitive advantage. Now, whether that's actually you know, the start of a big move towards achieving a deal or not, um, we simply don't know at this stage, but yeah, it could happen. Now, for the Bank of England, I mean, it's worthwhile as a starting point, just pointing out that their view of a no deal Brexit is extremely negative. And the governor, indeed other Bank of England people have come out and essentially said that if it's a no deal, that completely upends their current economic projections, which assume a smooth transition to a new trade deal with Europe between the EU and um, the UK as we move into 2021. If that doesn't happen, then they're going to have to mark down their forecasts one heck of a lot. And that, of course, could well mean that they're going to have to respond from a policy angle. So if for whatever reason before Thursday, um, the EU and uh, the UK came out and said, well, that's it. We can't agree. It's now official. There will not be a deal. It is quite possible that the Bank of England will preempt that by loosening policy even further on Thursday. Indeed, it's worthwhile remembering that during the course of the coronavirus, the bank proved itself to be extremely flexible in terms of what it would do and when it would do. So if we get to Thursday and these talks are still ongoing, which I guess seems to be the most likely scenario at the moment. It doesn't mean to say that the bank could come out perhaps next week and lower interest rates or increase quantitative easing, do whatever it wants to. It's you mean in an intermeaning move? Yeah, very much so. They showed they, they're prepared to do it uh, back in earlier on this year when COVID first struck. So I think it's very much more than likely that if we get a no deal Brexit, they'll come out and do something be it in terms of well, at least boosting liquidity in some shape or form. It doesn't look like they want to come out and cut interest rates at this stage but they could increase quantitative easing again, um, improve lending terms to banks, whatever it may be. But don't be surprised if it's a no deal, if we were then to see the Bank of England do something whenever that might be. But when you said preempt, that gave me the the thought, it, it, I'm sure it's not plausible that they would actually do something before uh, uh, we know what the Brexit results are. No, no, I didn't are. mean that. No, I mean before we actually get to the end of the year. 
So, for example, um, let's suppose, I don't know, next Monday, the EU and UK come out and say, right, that's it. We've done our best. We can't agree a deal. There will be a degree of chaos then in UK product markets and in the financial markets as well. Most UK businesses are simply not fully prepared. I mean, a lot of them really are nowhere close to being prepared. That's also true of uh, Eurozone exporters into the UK as well. And a lot of the financial markets, particularly the likes of the derivative markets in which the UK has had, has had such a strong standing of a world leader for such a long time, some of those contracts are going to be start being messed up. So the bank has got to be ready to do whatever's necessary to make sure it can ensure you know, financial markets continue to operate smoothly. So if there's a no deal announced before the end of the end of the year, and who knows, they may, may still come out with a deal, then I wouldn't be at all surprised if the bank does something before the end of the year. So preempting the actual move away from the end of the transition period itself, which doesn't expire until the end of December. Mm-hmm. I think, to be honest, I don't think the bank would have any other choice. It would have to be seen to be doing something just to make sure markets and investors and everybody else are aware that, look, we're here and we'll do whatever it takes to ensure the smooth operations of financial markets. Well, how is this? Would you think it would unfold a uh, an announcement that there would be no deal with that? Would they actually make such a would um, uh, Boris Johnson uh, make yeah. such a formal announcement? I think they will do. I mean, at the moment, I mean, for the last what week to week and a half, all the discussions essentially have been taking place behind closed doors. So we only just get the odd leak here or there, but there's been no real official statements by the fact they came out on Sunday, which was supposed to be the final, final, final deadline to say that, well, you know, uh, the EU um, Commissioner pres- President um, uh, Ursula von der Leyen and Boris Johnson had agreed that they would, quote, go the extra mile, unquote, to uh-huh. try and secure a deal. Because you know, both sides realise that a no deal is going to be very negative for both economies, uh-huh. particularly given all the COVID problems we have at the moment. It really is the case. This couldn't have come at a worse possible time in many ways. But, but for the BOE, both sides, uh, the EU and the UK, if they do reach a deal, they will be, you know, uh, singing the praises of how brilliant the deal is and whether or not that's true. Uh, or how will the BOE um, make its own uh, uh, assessment? How political is the uh, how independent is the BOE? Oh, the BOE touch wood is pretty independent. It will do what it thinks what it thinks. Right. Um, something I think which is worth mentioning, though, let's assume they get a deal. Um, well, it's got to a stage now whereby these the wrangling has been going on for so long with so little being achieved that whatever kind of deal they do get is going to be a very mild one. So it certainly won't cover services. It may cover most goods. We'll, ha- we'll have to wait and see. But the bottom line is that whatever happens, deal or no deal, the shape of the trading relationship between the UK and the European Union from the start of 2021 is going to be very different from how it is now. So one way or another, there's going to be a lot of disruption, particularly at you know, the major ports um, sitting, you know, on the English side and you know, to the French side going across the channel. There's talk about the Eurostar, the train service, that be messed up. Um, it really will be you know, a lot of dislocation to a lot of product distribution coming into effect from the beginning of next year, even with a deal. So it's going to look, I think, very, very messy. And that means you know, the bank is going to do whatever it thinks necessary. At this stage, I think if they come out and announce a deal, the bank will be happy to sit back, well, let's see what happens. But I think they will feel obliged to do something if there's a no deal. Well, on the let's see what happens part, 
Is there a risk that we, what we saw with Hungary uh, and uh, Poland on the uh, fiscal stimulus side that uh, even if there is an announcement that um, the the differing uh, countries, uh, uh, I you know, in Europe can scuttle it? Well, um, of course, this is the other issue, which is why originally I think a lot of people assume that the the deadline for this deal was round about October time, because you've got to get the deal sorted in the first place. Then you've got to get it signed off by the leaders and it's got to be approved by parliaments. Now, as we go towards the end of you know, the end of this year, there simply won't be time for the individual parliaments to approve it, which in itself suggests it's going to be you know, a less than a full blown deal. Um, it also mm. means it might be that much hard to get through. I don't know. But um, it's interesting. Some of the comments coming out we've had from finance ministers out, I think, what, out of Ireland and out of Spain over the last few days have been just really emphasising we simply have to get a deal because they realise just how negative it would be for their individual economies. Mm. So it's, you know, there's so much politicking going on behind the scenes at the moment. It, it really is anyone's guess as to how this is going to go. But I did think Sunday was significant because I think both sides have pushed it to the wire as far as they possibly can, or at least as, as near as damn it. Mm. But it also really does indicate that both sides really, really want a deal. So I think, you know, again, going back to the old litmus test of the FX markets, we're looking at, you know, the euro sterling rate at the moment. I mean, sterling's trading, what, about 1.1 against the euro. So it's actually slightly stronger now than it was, you know, back end of last week. Um, So it looks as if, you know, investors are starting to think, oh, well, I reckon they might get a deal after all. But it's going to be volatile, whatever happens. It almost makes you want to be a neutral country. Speaking of which, Switzerland has a meeting. Very nice segue. I like like the way you did that. Right, well, let's pick on one which in theory should be relatively straightforward, as you mentioned. Swiss National Bank then on Thursday. Now, for the um, the SMB, it's it's the same old problem facing it, where the currency is too strong and and largely as a result, in many ways, inflation is too low. Now, looking at where the currency stands, the cross rate against the euro at the moment. So this is Swiss francs per euro. We stand at 1.0, what, 7? seven or so, which is virtually identical to the level we had when they last met back in September and when they did nothing. Now, on top of that, although it's it's fair enough to say that this Swiss franc is still too strong for the Swiss authorities, the good news is it's not as strong as it has been. It's no stronger than at the last meeting. And the inflation numbers, although again, they're still too weak. I mean, headline inflation is down at minus 0.7% at the moment. But that's still more than a half a percentage point above its low back in May and June time. Core inflation, again, that's still below zero as well, but it's also crept higher. So the overall picture, I think, for the Swiss Swiss National Bank is that, well, one, if they're going to do anything, it's going to be be towards additional easing because the COVID numbers are too high, inflation's too low, and the Swiss franc's too strong. But outside of COVID, the economy per se is kind of doing a little bit more along the lines of what they'd want compared to where we've been over the last month or so. And I think, you know, for them, the exchange rate is a crucial policy tool. And so it's always interesting to see what's been happening with their um, their reserves or 
site deposits at the SMB with a guide to working out what they've been doing with their intervention. And over the last, what, three or four weeks or so, they've really done nothing in the FX market. Prior to that, they're intervening regularly, selling the Swiss franc and buying euros with a view to trying to weaken the Swiss franc to get the thing you know, slightly weak to try and boost inflation. They haven't been doing that, say, for the best part of a month now. So it kind of suggests that you know, they may not be happy with things at the moment, but they don't think it's worthwhile doing anything else in terms of policy so i must say i'll be very surprised if we if we see any kind of move on the the key policy rate which currently stands at and indeed has been for a long time now at minus 0.75 percent how does the smb does it um add up its foreign exchange uh how much it uh it sells to swiss and how frequently does it tell people well, it publishes overall foreign exchange data on a weekly basis. So that's what I tend to look at. And from that, you can see you know, the net purchases of overall foreign exchange going through um, during the course of the week. And if we go back, say, to October time, uh, particularly around what just in well, August time in July, if I remember rightly, um, there were very heavy um, Swiss franc sales and foreign exchange purchases being made by the SMB, simply because uh, the Swiss franc was just you know, appreciating and appreciating. And the stronger the Swiss franc, you know, the weaker import prices, the weaker is going to be domestic inflation level. But it does seem now on the base, indeed, if, if you actually look at the numbers, that the intervention, it's not really intervention, but it's actually the sales have been going the other way. So they've actually been buying back a few Swiss francs. But I think that's probably more just to do with you know, standard money market ops and anything else. Huh. Um, what else we got? Oh, mentioned Japan, I suppose, the BOJ to finish for lot off. Um, where are they? They are due to announce the back end of this week. And again, it's expected that they won't be coming out with too much consensus, again, for no change in interest rates for guidance or their key asset purchase program. But uh, I suppose I should mention this as well. Um, in line with the ECB, there is um, talk about a probable extension of QE beyond the current March deadline at the moment. Um, but again, no change in the actual headline numbers, but just reassuring the market that we are here and we will continue to do whatever is necessary to make sure we keep the economy going again. Now, so I mentioned I should just touch on what the, uh, what the uh, ECB did last week because it was a fairly comprehensive package, although it didn't contain contain too many surprises. So um, in line with expectations, then most of their quantitative easing comes through the pandemic emergency purchase program these days, and they expanded that by um, half a trillion. So that now stands at 1.85 trillion euros, a 500 billion euro increase, which was bang in line with the market consensus. And they also extended the duration that program as well now from previously, it was supposed to run through until at least June 2021. So it could have run beyond that anyway but the minimum was uh june 2021 and that's now been extended to at least march 2022 and they also um extended their targeted longer term refinance operations which they like because as the title suggests they're targeted so you can actually go in those areas of the market which really needs the most help i think needs the most help and they've been extended now to run through until june uh, 2022 so again they've extended that and they've added some additional operations in there as well. So all in all, um, although they didn't change the old uh, long-standing asset purchase program, so that remains that it's fixed 20 billion euros a month. Um, they did enough elsewhere to at least suggest that or send a message, well, you know, we're going to do whatever's necessary to support the eurozone economy. 
But one thing that is also worth noting is, and we touched on it last week, is that they had made noises for the fact that they're getting concerned about the level of a euro against the dollar. Exactly the same way as we've had with the Swiss National Bank, the stronger euro equals weaker imported inflation, and so downside pressure on domestic prices. Well, Lagarde really was, I was a bit surprised about what she said on that. She's simply, in answer to a question, said that, uh, well, the ECB's monitoring the currency's rise. And I think, you know, by the looks of it, the sort of euro bulls have seen that as suggesting, well, they're not really that concerned about current levels. Now, we know we don't have they don't have an exchange rate target. but Nonetheless, I thought they might have hinted a little bit more that, you know, this this is not doing what we want for inflation. And we have seen the euro actually rise a little bit against the dollar since then. So it may be the case that um, the ECB is going to come out at some future point and make noises of the fact that the currency is too strong for their, their current taste. But say they don't have a target so it's difficult for them to do that but they did leave the door open there to uh, further euro gains and lastly hopefully from me from uh, the european side <clears throat> since we've also been talking about this for so long should mention this is a 1.8 trillion euro budget sorry eu budget i should say and covid rescue plan that was finally agreed last thursday once the um, backing from poland and hungary was secured um, it basically means that be well essentially be watering down some of the protocol, which means that uh, the actual disbursement funds are being tied to the law, the rules of law, and um, they're going to be watered down a little bit. And it also means that if anyone wants to have a go at Hungary or Poland about what they're doing, it's got to be via the European Court of Justice, which will slow the whole process down. In other words, it is a bit of a fudge, but it does mean now that we get this COVID, and, well, COVID rescue program in place next year. And it means that the EU can continue to function because it will now have a multi-year budget as well. Failure to achieve either of those could have been extremely bad news for the Eurozone economy, short term and longer term as well, because it would have uh, maintain the risk of either Hungary or Poland or both actually wanting to leave the European Union at some point. Okay, what else? Anything from your side? I think that's my side taken care of. Oh, no, one last thing I should mention. Okay. PMI week, <clears throat> always mention out of Europe because we do get the December flash PMIs on Wednesday. Um, that's going to give us an update of just how much of an impact all the tightening of COVID restriction we've had right across so well, the Eurozone and the UK as well, just how much of an impact it's had on economic activity. And clearly that may well have some implications for what central banks over here are going to do early next year. Sorry, that's my bit. I asked you, what about your side? Well, on that score, we had the Empire State Report today. Uh, that's the New York Fed's manufacturing um, survey for the month of December. So it's it, it, it's a little bit of a hint of what to expect for uh, the PMIs, which will be flashes for December broken between manufacturing and services. Um, and the Empire State today was uh, mixed, uh, you know, uh, overall uh, orders were down, uh, growing at a slower rate and, and unfilled orders still in contraction, yet the sample um, expanded their staffs, were hiring, which is a, a good sign. So I'd say it was a mixed report, but this report has always been on the soft side. Uh, Thursday, we'll get the Philadelphia Fed report. It, a manufacturing report that will also be for December. It has been unusually wildly strong, actually. So um, it, if you put these two together, um, 
uh, it's been in, you know, we had industrial production, which is the, the, the uh, absolutely definitive uh, reading on, on, on manufacturing. It's the central component there. And it was mixed with, um, and, uh, and that way I mentioned that before. But uh, the, the economy here, I mean, 4.9% uh, overall contraction from February for overall uh, industrial uh, production is still very significant. And it's only improving two and three tenths. Uh, a month, and that's going to be into well into next year, or even in the next year, if if, if this pace doesn't improve. Mm. Um, uh, so I, I I you know it's from the starting point, uh, you know from the low it's been going fine, but to actually recover what we've lost, it's it looks like it's going to take a while. Yeah, very much same story here as well. Okay then, well let's round it up for this week. We'll see you next time. And in the interim, you can always keep up to date, of course, with all the key market moving data and events in Econoday's global economic calendar. Thanks very much for listening. Stay safe and we'll see you soon. Bye for now.